I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Piers Morgan to my Chris Morgan. It's Justin Peach. Do not disdain Chris Morgan's name. I, I don't think I was there, was I? He's on the same he's in the same sentence as Piers Morgan. I think that's oh, okay. bordering the line. Justin, let's not dive into that debate because my <laughs> Twitter timeline has just been full of that all week and quite frankly I've had enough of it. How are you, Justin? I'm I'm very good. I finally recovered from Borough fans barraging me uh, over the weekend since I categorically claimed that um, the penalty was a penalty for Swansea. Still is. I still think it is. Not changed my mind. I still don't know what you were on that day. (laughs) (laughs) I I have no idea where you got that decision from. But um, just a quick disclaimer. You are, of course, listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This is a midweek edition of the second tier where we're going to run through the three games that are in the championship this past week. And then we'll look ahead to the upcoming games in the championship this coming weekend. Quick disclaimer, though. It is incredibly windy today. There is one hell of a storm kicking off outside. So I think this is the first time we've ever recorded when it has been this windy, Justin. So it wouldn't surprise me if the listener does pick up some background noise while uh, we are recording today. So uh, apologies for that. It is the joys of working from home, but it's just Mother Nature wanting to have her say on the championship. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's kick off with the first game, Justin. Swansea drew one all away at Blackburn on Tuesday night. Swansea with another dodgy penalty. That's not bad, is it? Three dodgy penalties in three games running. It's quite impressive, really. Well, I, I don't. I again, I, I do think it was a penalty. I just think it's okay. clumsy from the the defender. Um, as I say, I, I do think it was a penalty. I think the one on Saturday was a penalty. The one last week against Stoke was contentious, but I think we should focus in on Swansea's performances rather than their look in getting penalties at the moment. I think I want to talk about the penalty first off because I think all three decisions were contentious. I think this one was another contentious one and it's another one where I'm going to have to disagree with you, Justin. If there isn't any contact when Jay Fulton sells it, then he sells it very well um, because his leg kind of collapses under him. But it doesn't look like there is much contact and I'd say it's less of a penalty than it, it is a penalty. So... We'll leave that there. There were also two other penalty shouts in this game that weren't given. One uh, against Blackburn, which probably was more of a penalty than this one. But Tony Mowbray made an interesting comment after the game. He reckons the empty grounds are meaning when players appeal for penalties, they're managing to influence decisions more. What do you think of that? 
it's not a, it's not a bad theory actually because I think the referee. I mean, noises will get drowned out by the crowd anyway, and the crowd are going to shout. But uh, I mean, in my position, if I was a referee and I hear the crowd shouting for a penalty, I'll go, "Yeah, all right, go on, good one." Um, but then, if you are hearing players screaming howl for it, then I think it could it could have a uh, an influence. But then again, at the same time, they've always they've I imagine players have always screamed and howled for those decisions. So I don't think it's a new trait they've just developed since, um, uh, yeah. since lockdown. I know what you mean. I think I can see where Mowbray's coming from because when you're in an empty stadium and every single player on one team is going, ah! It's amplified. Yeah, it's amplified. And suddenly the referee, I imagine the panic bells might go off in some referees. And there are some times when the stadiums are full but Castle Mines back a, a year now. Um, mm. But there are some times when every player is going up, but the fans aren't necessarily going up. So I, I can kind of see where Mowbray is coming from. And it's an, it's an interesting theory, and hopefully it's one we don't have to worry about for uh, much longer. But let's talk about the actual game, Justin. I thought Swansea were poor again. That's that's pretty much my my thoughts behind it. Um They've probably their performance has been quite poor since their defeat to Huddersfield, where they weren't actually that bad, considering lost four one. Um, they haven't really been convincing. Um, they've been, as we, as we know, they've been bailed out by some decisions going their way. You don't want to rely on penalties. Um, so I think some of the questions you've got to ask are: Are they fatigued? Have teams worked them out? Have they overperformed? their expectation this season you know there are plenty of questions but I think stats back it up as well they're conceding goals they've kept uh, just one clean sheet in the last six Jamal Lowe hasn't scored in 10 Andre Ayew is 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 carrying them at the moment going forward anyway from an attacking sense I think Steve Cooper just needs to get them to the international break and, and go from there yeah I completely agree with what you've been saying and it's not been every game since the turn of the year that Swansea have been playing poorly but I'd say they've had more poor games than good ones however they're still getting results I mean it's just two losses in 2021 over the course of the season they've not been the kind of side who have been taking teams apart have they not like we've seen with Norwich and Brentford plenty of times this season Um, but I think it is concerning how they've looked going forwards Jamal's low form has nosedived after he had a really good run around Christmas. And they've been fortunate that Andre Ayo has come back into form. And I wouldn't say he's carrying them, but he's kind of like the level down of carrying them. He's their most influential player by far going forwards. Uh, it's obvious where Swansea have got to improve. Fortunately for them, they're still in the driving seat for the top two. Um, another good performance from Blackburn, though, who have seemingly turned the corner after... A long run of results where they were fairly dreadful. Too right, too right. They, 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 they'll be good if they didn't come away with three points. Um, they've they've come up against arguably the, the best defensive team in the league statistically, um, and they've they've just probably come short of battering them. They, they, they kept Freddie Woodman busy. He earned his money. Um, he had he had three saves to make to keep Swansea in the game and. One thing was interesting was they completed nearly double the amount of passes in Swansea, which tells me that Swansea are sitting behind the ball a little bit more. Perhaps if they get them on the front foot, they might create a few more chances for the likes of AU and Low. But from a Blackburn perspective, this this is it's a good a good run of form they're starting to develop. 
Yeah, uh, they were the better side in this in this game, weren't they? And I thought Tom Tribal was magnificent in the middle of the park. He's a He's always been a decent player at this level, hasn't he? Uh, let's move on just into the game from Wednesday night. That was Barnsley nil, Derby nil. I do love the championship, but we have some games which are stinkers every so often, don't we? I mean, both teams in this game are just hoofing the ball back and forth without looking. I think the goalkeepers must have had the most touches because <laughs> it was very windy and the keepers were just taking a long kick and it was run through to the other keepers. Like a really, really bad game of tennis, Justin. I made next to no notes on this game um, for a couple of reasons. I, I wanted to find out the passing statistics. So here's one. There were 600 passes overall in the game, roughly 600 passes. 33% of them were long balls. That doesn't surprise me a whatsoever. Third, a third of the passes were long balls, um, which is, is just incredible. But it was a, t- it was, it was a game with... That was short of chances. Connor Chaplin should have scored for Barnsley. Lee Gregory should have scored for Derby. Mm. And that was about it. Yeah, you're spot on. I struggled, um, I struggled to find anything else to say about this game other than it was a really industrious game of football. Scrappy. Scrappy is a very good way of summing it up. I think if there is one compliment you can pay Derby this season, it's that they've been good defensively, haven't they? And I thought this game was a shining example of that. As you mentioned, Barnsley had one good chance and apart from that, that was pretty much it. They f- held a fairly high line, and every time Barnsley tried to play that ball over the top, it quite often just ran through to Ruse, who had a good game as well. He was He's not always been the most prolific at coming out for crosses and commanding his box, but for once we actually saw that here. And then Lee Gregory had a golden chance in the second half where Derby could have won it, but either way, it's a brilliant point for Wayne Rooney's boys, isn't it? It's a much needed point because they defensively they looked pretty poor for a for a couple of games for a few games actually. So getting a clean sheet against the form team in the division or so team in the second in the form table, um, you know they've they've been running away with it, Barnsley. So I think this is a bit of a confidence boost. Uh, and as I say, defensively they've kept team, ten clean sheets under under Wayne Rooney, which is pretty good and probably better than. Oh, it must be more more clean sheets than last season under under Philip Koku. Philip Koku. Um <laughs> So, yeah, it, it's it's a good point and um, one they they need to use to build on because form has dived a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think this is the first time. Actually, it is the first time Barnsley have dropped points in their last eight games, which is remarkable. But I'd say a result like this has been coming, obviously, for one, because they weren't going to win every game for the rest of the season. But because they haven't been so swashbuckling over the past few games, have they? No, and I think Ishmael put hit the nail on the head in his post-match press conference. He said that they just looked a bit tired. It's to be expected with the, the schedule, um, the, the teams that played midweek this week don't get the rest um so perhaps everybody was taking their foot off the gas a little bit anyway um i mean just looking at results this week there wasn't much wasn't much to talk about in turn in terms of goals um and that, and that sort of probably pays into that a little bit um but again it's it's a, it's another game where barnsley have i wouldn't say they dominated it i don't think either team dominated it but they had the better chance they they carved the better openings than derby they just couldn't find that final sort of oomph, I guess, to to get a goal. You're scraping the bowl a bit when you say Barnsley had the better chance because there was not much in this game at all. Yeah, um, it, it is worth saying what you were saying about the pressing there. 
Barnsley have a good rotation system going on, don't they? So they shouldn't be as knackered as other teams in that sense. But the the pressing that they do, it's got to have an effect, hasn't it? So I think this international break that's coming up is coming at a perfect time, really, for Barnsley. So their players can have a couple of weeks rest after what has been a crazy and busy <laughs> schedule hasn't it and the final game we had in midweek Justin was QPR beating Wickham 1-0 a comfortable win for Rangers it was um, I was majorly impressed with Chris Willock I thought yeah. he was brilliant and it's been a long time coming I think he's a player that probably at his age now needs to step up but completed three dribbles I think for the I want to say for the goal he, he beat the man on the line um, which is fantastic to see, and he's hit the post as well. He completed two passes and obviously got his assist. He's a player that QPR need to step up, essentially. There's a lot of... Well, there's Cher and, and Willock, so there's two players there who are there to fill the void of, of players that have moved on in the past. Chair is um, obviously stepping... Well, ha- has has improved this season, but Willock's um, been a bit slower to the, to the, to the ball. But from a QPR perspective... They deserve the win massively. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Chris Willock was the one I highlighted as well. Uh, the fantastic assist for the goal to set up Elias Chair. Had a great game. I didn't realise he was there permanently. I thought he was on loan um, because it seems like he's one of those players who has just been loaned around for years now. But here he is there permanently for QPR. And I was saying at the weekend once that if QPR managed to keep hold of the loan players for next season... Chris Willock was one of those I was keeping in that category <laughs> thinking he was on loan but the fact he's there permanently is great news because he is still a young lad isn't he and he was very highly rated when he was at Arsenal quite some time ago now but if they manage to get him to fulfil his potential then they've got one hell of a player on their hands and next season a front three potentially of Charlie Austin Elias Chair and Chris Willock is a pretty frightening front three so hopefully Chris Willock can take this game as a, uh, a foundation I suppose for the rest of the season to build some form build some confidence and then take that into next season uh, Wickham not much you can say really they had a couple of dangerous crosses put into the box but that was the closest they came to scoring wasn't it it was I mean they, they, I thought they had chances to get back into the game there was a couple of times where they got in behind and they were looking for penalties it felt like they were looking for penalties I thought they were too Incredibly soft if they were if they were to be given, but it just it just felt like they were they they were expecting it, and um, it's probably a staple of them this season for them to be in those positions and go down and not get a decision. They're probably at a point where they want the referee to to help them out, and that's it's just it's not going to happen all the time. And um, as we say, they're, they're not just they're just not putting them away defensively. Things things haven't helped, but they have they have tightened up. Uh, of late, but one thing they lack, and I had la- have lacked all season, is a goal scorer. Um, and I do think if they had one, they'd be well in the pack with Birmingham, and Rotherham, and, and and Co. You say that they've not exactly been creating many chances this season, so I think a good strike. I mean, Uchi Piazzu has been fantastic leading the line, but he's not a goal scorer, is he? So because they've not been creating many chances, if they did have a goal scorer, then he'd be living off scraps so I think there's plenty of places where Wickham need to strengthen um, if they were going to have a decent chance of staying up this season but it's just not happened they were always at a disadvantage heading into this season weren't they because they had 
less time to prepare for this season and the finances at Wickham, as we all know, are nowhere near as big as anyone else in the Championship. So, yeah, it, it was always going to be a struggle for Wickham this season, but yeah, they're heading back to League One now, aren't they? The final game from midweek, Justin, was going to be Rotherham versus Luton, which was, of course, meant to be played on Tuesday night, but that was called off because of a COVID outbreak at Rotherham. Their game against Coventry this coming weekend has also been postponed. I just wanted to quickly chat to you about that, Justin, because in terms of games played, they're now miles behind everyone. In fact, after this weekend, now that their game's been called off, they'll have played just 32 games, while the majority of teams in the league will have played 36. And we already know the schedule this season is jam-packed, and there aren't that many weeks left before the end of the season. I mean, by my calculations, Rotherham will have to play two games every week, by the international break, of course. And even then, they've still got to find room for another game. And they could potentially have it in the week after Easter, but then they'll have to play four games in the space of nine days. <laughs> Whatever happens, their hectic schedule is going to affect them, isn't it? Because they'll be knackered. Yeah, the argument is that, obviously, if they build up a bit of momentum, it will it will carry with the games being so close together. But I just, I can't, I don't see it. I think a team like Rotherham, and I say a team like Rotherham, it's no disrespect, they probably have to prepare for certain sides because they don't have a style of play like Barnsley do. You know, they don't have an, in, an imprint style of play like Barnsley do. So they have to prepare individually for certain teams. Um, you know, how they're going to get goals through through set pieces, uh, throw-ins, etc. You know, there's all this prepa- preparation that they're not going to be able to do. That's got, that's going to affect a team. That's going to Im- impact a team. And then there's the fatigue side of things. I'm no physiologist, but playing four games in nine days that's you're just not going to get the best out of your team especially after that third game no way and they're also not going to have any rest time at all pretty much for the rest of the season mm. and they haven't got the biggest squad in the division either exactly so I, I mean Ita Karanka a Rotherham fan pointed this out to me on Twitter that Ita Karanka has asked the EFL to investigate because he's a bit suspicious about what's been going on but I don't really see how it benefits Rotherham in any way shape or form quite no. frankly um, so it's 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 a tricky kind of situation that the EFL have been put in as well because they've got to try and sort out when Rotherham are going to play this game unless they really break the mould and let Rotherham play after the end of the season which I can't see happening I've got to say I also don't think it's fair on the teams they'll have to still play because, for example, usually teams get a week's rest before the final game of the season. Rotherham almost certainly won't get that now unless something happens in terms of the schedule. And that also means neither will the team who they're going to be facing on the week before the end of the season. So that team could still be fighting for something, especially if it's Coventry when uh, this weekend's game gets moved. So... It's an almighty mess, and I'm not too sure how you solve it unless they finish the season later than everyone else, or you just give Rotherham an unholy amount of games. So, I mean, God forbid they have any more games called off, because I have no idea what's going to happen after that. Uh, Justin, let's have a break. After that, we shall preview the upcoming games in the Championship this weekend. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. 
One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that of course includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a Classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either, they've also got track suits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Secretary Podcast. So this is the part of the show where we're going to look ahead to the upcoming games in the Championship this weekend. Me and Justin are going to pick two games each that we're particularly looking forward to. Uh, Rotherham Coventry would have been my number one pick without <laughs> a doubt, but obviously that's now been cooled off. The second most interesting game is Bournemouth v Barnsley from my perspective, Justin, because this is the definition of a six-pointer, not much separating either side just having a quick look at the table just two points separating them so it's really really tight in that race for the top six at the moment um in terms of style of play it's quite interesting because Barnsley have been more direct recently haven't they Justin I'm not sure if it's because of the opposition they've been facing but it's led to them not creating as many chances as you'd expect with a Barnsley side to do against lesser opposition but still winning games. Well, Bournemouth have also been more direct recently since Jonathan Woodgate came in. And earlier in the season, this would have probably been one of the most exciting games possible in the Championship because you got Bournemouth, who like to play their quick um, attacking style of play, while Barnsley, as we all know, like to press and get the ball forward directly. Um, so earlier in the season, it would have been probably one of the most exciting games possible. But now... It's not something I can promise, put it that way. <laughs> Either way, it's a tricky game to predict, isn't it? Because one of the reasons for that is because Barnsley have been phenomenal since Valo and Ishmael took over, but they've struggled against the top sides, haven't they? Whether Bournemouth are still a top side is still up for debate. So it, it, it's a tricky game to predict, to say the least. It's it's a tricky game, but it is a, it is an interesting one. As you say, the, the form of both teams is performance-wise from a Barnsley perspective has, has dipped slightly. Bournemouth aren't it doesn't seem like they're quite functioning um, no. to, to put it mildly um, and obviously as you say I think because it's at Bournemouth it might suit Barnsley a little bit more you know the, the, the pitch at Oakwell is tired it's very tired it's like a cabbage patch very well put it's like a cabbage patch um, so I think going to Bournemouth where the pitch is very nice it's going to help their game a little bit. Ball's going to hold up as long as it's not windy, because I imagine at Dean Court, it's not Dean Court anymore. Vitality Stadium. Yeah, D- Dean Court. Make sure old. you get that sponsorship in, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Court is old, but as a, because it's a small ground, the wind the wind might affect it. And there's a, there's a lot of intrigue with the game, um, but I think I, th- I can't see it being anything other than a draw. I, I'm not sure if a draw benefits either side I'd say it benefits Barnsley more than Bournemouth but there is no underselling this is there it is a massive massive game for both sides and is the definition of a six pointer because Cardiff uh, quite a few points behind Barnsley at the moment they're four points behind and they've got a tricky game coming up which we'll get onto in a sec spoiler alert but this is a fantastic chance for Barnsley to create a bit of a gap between 
the teams chasing the top six and themselves. While Bournemouth, it's a fantastic chance to draw Barnsley and Reading back in. So, massive, massive game. And as we've been saying recently, I've been particularly impressed since Jonathan Mudgate took over at Bournemouth. But this is a big chance for him to make a statement against the most or at least one of the most informed teams in the championship at the moment Justin what is the first game you're most looking forward to this weekend in the championship seeing as though you ruined everything so uh, Cardiff Cardiff versus Watford this uh, this game whets the appetite for me uh, I think we have a team in Watford who perform like a very average side away from home uh, I don't think there's a bigger contrast home games feel like they're going to win 6-0 away games feel more more like the scraping a result um, but they have only lost one away game in the last six but Cardiff play with a different swagger at home especially under Big Mick and weirdly they they've only played four games under him at home which surprises me a little bit the majority of the games have been away the swagger going forward they've, they've recorded back-to-back wins against Luton and Derby both fairly good teams defensively uh, and as we saw against Derby they, they do not give a shit about ball retention <laughs> Watford are all about control, so this will be a test that they haven't come up against so far. Yeah, it's weird how Watford... Well, most teams in the Championship, as far as I'm aware, unless I'm forgetting someone off the top of my head, the lack of fans has really shown in home and away results. It hasn't really had much of an impact, has it? But Watford seemed to be the outlier in that. Just five wins away from home out of 17 games this season. Um, But it is a massive game, isn't it? For both sides because Watford need to get points on the board to try and maintain the pace with the likes of Swansea and Brentford while Cardiff as I was just mentioning not too long ago they're not far away from the teams in the top six but after this weekend there could be a bit of a gap couldn't there so they need to get three points here I think um, Cardiff also weren't very good against Huddersfield last Friday no. So how they respond to that disappointing performance will be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, massive game, isn't it, Justin? It is. It is, and as I say, it's, it's one I, I look forward to. And as we as we mentioned, it's going to be a different test for Watford. It's going to be a, a, a different test for Cardiff in the sense that they're, they're, they're coming up against a team in a game that they need to win, which they probably haven't really had over the last well since Mick McCarthy came in because they've been so far down the table but if they have any aspirations of getting in the playoffs it has to be three points yeah spot on uh, what is your other game that you're looking forward to this weekend Justin I've gone with Forest Reading I think given Reading's form of late and Forest's form of late as well as Reading's need to get a result to stay in the top six and Forest still not out of it in terms of the relegation Oh, I know Rotherham could go on a crazy run with the ten games they have in hand, um, and drag teams into it. So they they need to pick up points as well. I think as well as that, the style of play of both sides, it's it's chalk and cheese at the minute. Um, firstly, you wouldn't have envisaged twenty points separating these teams at the start of the season. Uh, you'd have at least Forest would be much further up the table, running below. So I think that adds a bit a little in, a interesting spark to it, especially from my perspective. And as I say. Reading seems to be rolling now. Three wins on the bounce, three clean sheets in a row. They're very good at regaining possession in the middle middle third. So it's going to be another game for where I think Chris Hewton's going to adopt a very structured defensive approach to nullify Reading. And Forest have been stuttering of late. They'll be they'll be hoping another late derby goal doesn't curtail the season, as they've lost back to back games since then. 
I haven't really created an opportunity to score. Omar Richards, uh, Omar Richards and Andy Idham at fullback as well is very, very good because Forrest like to attack down the wings. And I think Reading's fullbacks are going to have them sorted. Knockout's not going to get a sniff against Omar Richards. <laughs> um, yeah, I see what you mean about Forrest. They are stuttering, aren't they? And they, in terms of the table, you look at it and you think they're still in danger of going down, especially if results go against them this weekend. So they need to get some points on the board. I wouldn't say it's a must-win game, but they need a draw would be a decent result, um, but a win would be fantastic and just calming the nerves a bit at the city ground. As we've said plenty of times, I will be surprised if Forest go down. There are three worst teams, or at least maybe even four or five worst teams in the championship this season. So it will be a massive surprise if they were to go down. However, they are still not out of it, are they? Um, and then for Reading, all their playoff rivals have got tough games this you weekend. Like so... If they manage to get three points here, then they could find themselves in a more comfortable position in the playoffs because they have looked like sliding out over the past three or four weeks. Um, they've managed to stay in there and this will be a great chance to really solidify that position. But anything other than a win might raise a few eyebrows, to say the very least. Uh, the final game that I've gone for, Justin, this weekend is Birmingham-Bristol City. Now... When I chose this game as one which I, which I wanted to preview, I was asking myself, is this a must-win game for Birmingham? And initially I was like, no, if they draw, then it's not the worst result in the world. But the more I've thought about it, I've managed to convince myself that actually, this is a huge game for Birmingham City and their survival bid. I think it's only been made more massive by Rotherham's game being called off because on Saturday, if Birmingham lose, they'll be three points ahead of Rotherham. They'll have four games in hand on Birmingham. And when you put it like that, it makes Birmingham's position near the bottom of the table look very unconvincing. On the other hand, a win would make a world of difference because six points ahead is much more comfortable and it also drags back in teams like Coventry, Derby and Huddersfield. I think it'd be interesting to see the performance for Birmingham as well because they've recently looked better. This time last month, they looked awful. And it would have been hard to make any argument for them to stay up. But suddenly, they have been gradually improving. The Barnsley game this past weekend was a bit of a step back. So the question is, Justin, which Birmingham are we going to see? I think with the Barnsley game, it comes with a caveat. Because after watching, obviously, Derby play against them, Derby struggled to create chances. Especially at Oakwell, it's not an abnormal thing. So you've got to take that um, Barnsley result for Birmingham with a pinch of salt. Performances, as you say, have improved. And uh, you have sold it to me as a must-win game. It's a very well-thought-out justification, right? So well done, because, as you say, they can drag teams into it and Rotherham have got games in hand on them. Well, do you want me to sell it a bit more to you, Justin? Go on, then. <laughs> Obviously, they're coming to go up against Bristol City, whose new manager bounce has ended. In fact, it wasn't really a bounce, was it? It was more of a... Um, you the heels came you... off the ground slightly. Kind of, you know, when you throw <laughs> shoes on the ground and they kind of roll about a bit, but then they're just lying there on their side. That's kind of what Bristol City's new manager bounce has been like. What I'm saying is they're not great. It's a very winnable game. And the most startling fact about this being a must win game for Birmingham City, Justin, is after this, they have got a horrible run. After, after Bristol, they face Reading, 
Watford, Swansea and Brentford. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is why this is a gigantic game for Birmingham City uh, and their chances of staying up. If they don't win, they've got a run of matches where I can't see them picking up much after that. And the team behind them will have four games in hand as well. So it is a must win. Too right. It would be interesting to see their form against those sides in the top six throughout the season because obviously they, 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 I mean, they always beat Brentford. So that's a guaranteed three <laughs> points. So let's let's relax about that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a concerning run of games because it's one thing we take for granted at times is teams' runnings over the next four or five weeks. We know Derby have got a tricky run in. Coventry have probably got the easiest one out of the lot. So yeah, it's certainly... The eyebrows are raised and the concern is concern is up, I think, with that with that run of games. This is the business end of the season, Justin. And it's time some teams started picking up and really pulling some results out the bag. Um, and this is one where Birmingham City have got to pull a result out the bag. Um, plenty of teams still in the relegation battle at the moment, aren't there? But at the moment, you'd say, and I think the bookies have it the same as well, Birmingham City look like the favourites to be joining Wednesday and Wickham at this very moment um, so yeah massive massive game for Birmingham City uh, otherwise that's just about it for us from the midweek games and the preview of the upcoming games in the championship here on the second tier ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening just wanted to do the good old please give us a review because we don't do it very often on the show do we Justin and no. it does go a long way um, we don't do it because I know it can get a bit annoying as a fellow podcast enjoyer um, I usually turn off around this point <laughs> so thank you for still listening um, and if you could take five seconds is that how long it takes it takes about a minute doesn't it a minute of your time just to leave us a review on iTunes or whatever you listen to your podcasts on it goes a long way to helping us get new listeners so I know this is annoying but please just give us that one minute of your time to help us grow as a podcast um, Justin before we head off Got any plans before this weekend? I know I always ask this and we're still in lockdown, so the answer is usually no. But how are you keeping yourself busy? How am I keeping myself busy? Well, I usually go out on my bike, but because it's a hurricane outside, I'm not going to be doing that this weekend. Hopefully getting a haircut, a lockdown haircut. Oh, I got is this, one. Uh, is this Mrs? Yeah, I got one a few weeks ago and it's it's grown out now and it's terrible. I'm actually at a point where I look at myself and I go, you're you look awful you're an awful looking human being right now and um yeah it's amazing what a haircut can do so you're staying positive then when you, yeah. when you look in the mirror and you say what the hell is that <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've let myself go ryan my hair's long my beard's long haven't we all haven't we all <laughs> justin on that note let's end it there this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back again on sunday and we look forward to seeing you then i've been ryan dilks i've been justin peach Thank you for listening.